0: Hello, welcome. I am joined by Sarita Holtzman, the president and founder of Sunlight Curriculum. Sunlight Curriculum is a um, literature-based homeschool curriculum. And we know that humans are wired for stories and storytelling. That has been the foundation of Sunlight for years now, 30 years to be exact. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're here to talk today a little bit about turning kids into book lovers one chapter at a time. Sarita, what are the benefits of reading great literature for your family?
1: (laughs) There's a lot of them, but let me give you the few that I've thought about ahead of time. Uh, It allows you to create memorable connections with your family that last actually a lifetime. Uh, I know that when my kids were little, I read The House at Pooh Corner to them. And in that story, they play a game called poo sticks. And, if we did, and whenever we would go over a creek, over a, a stream or, or a bridge, our kids would immediately say, oh, I think we should play poo sticks. It was a story that had just become a part of our family's culture and just the way we live and looked at the world. So it's a chance to do that in a really natural and easy way. It also, it also allows you to forge emotional bonds. Uh, great books can give great uh, passion in your life. You can laugh together and cry together. Boy, if you haven't cried when Charlotte dies at the end of Charlotte's Web, you just have not had an emotional connection with your kids. But it's one of those where we have that every single time. You have a chance to read together. It's a huge, huge privilege that we have. Uh, we can also help our kids develop empathy. It's one of those um, life skills that most kids don't, aren't born with. They have to kind of learn how to uh, grow in this uh, very strategic and important uh, attribute that we have. It's one of those where uh, when my kids were little, um, I kind of meanly would hand my husband stories that he, would, he always read to them in the evening. It was a huge privilege that my kids have and the mental picture of them all sitting crushed together on the couch and uh, listening to him avidly reader because he's a great reader. <laughs> and I'd hand him a story and he would start to get to the end and it would be this emotional ending start to cry and I thought it was super important for my children to learn that it was okay for them to cry. So it was one of those where they would just learn and they, he'd, he'd start slowing down and stumbling over his words and they'd go, Dad, Dad, what's going on? You know, and it was just one of those where they had to learn how to be more empathetic. So it's a chance uh, to teach that to our children. Uh, we can uh, create conversations with them. Uh, There's certain situations that we don't want our children to experience, but if they can learn through the reading of story. For example, uh, The Outsiders would be a story of a young boy who gets trapped in a, in a gang. <laughs> May it be that our kids never, ever, ever end up in a gang, but could it be that they learn that that's not the way to go through reading great stories? And as we read and talked about it, and we uh, just interacted in kind of this creative way, we had a chance to really teach our kids that the content uh, we could learn, those kinds of things as we did. Uh, we can foster character development. Uh, I know when I would read uh, Number of the Stars with my children, it's a beautiful beautiful story, I said in World War II and some, at one point the girls don't get along very well with one another and they kind of nitpick at each other. And it's an opportunity for us to say, okay, in our family, we don't do that. We actually care for one another. We actually uh, walk carefully with one another and we take care of each other's feelings. Uh, And it's a way we can teach our children good character development even through the stories that we read.
0: That's great. What are some of the benefits of reading great literature when it comes to your child's education?
1: (laughs) And I could go on and I will. (laughs) It helps history. It can make history come alive. Uh, If you want to know exactly what life felt like in different historical events, you can read stories that take place in different time periods. So, for example, the Revolutionary War, you can actually get to know some of the soldiers that fought and come to care for them. And when you read about the Great Depression and you think through about the girl who's scrubbing the claws because they can't get food otherwise, I mean, you can read the same event in a history book, but it's dry. But when you read somebody's experience, history comes alive. I think, too, uh, we can spend a lot less time memorizing different dates it's one of those where when you read stories that take place historically and they take place and they take covered time periods, uh, kids actually get to the point where they can triangulate what the time frames are without having to memorize the dates. I can remember one young man who uh, I think he was taking multiple, multiple, multiple choice tests and one of the questions was, you know, when did the Civil War happen? And he went, okay, it's before this and it's after this and he actually worked it out and he went, it's not this date and it's not this state. He came up with the right answer just because he was able to figure out from the flow of history based on the different stories he had had. And I don't know, I think memorizing things is probably less important in today's world. It's much, much, much more important to have understanding and flow and the way things happen, way more strategic, way more helpful. I think too, you can uh, travel around the world through great stories for pennies on the dollar. Think about how inexpensive a book is and how enjoyable it can be. But you can read a story like uh, Yang Fu of the Upper Yangtze and visit ancient China and see what life was like at that time without ever having to get on a plane. It's great. (laughs) Or you can read um, Daughter of the Mountains and visit uh, Mongolia or northern India and just see how people view the world and understand how things occur. It's a super great way. Uh, to experience the world and to visit different cultures, all from the safety of your own home. It's an awesome, awesome opportunity. I think, too, you can uh, learn random facts vicariously. When I was a girl, I uh, read a book. I I used to, I always read a lot, but uh, one of my favorite detective stories was a series about Trixie Belden. And I can still remember to this day that one of the, her little brother gets bitten by a copper, copper, Copperhead, snake, do doi, doi. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and she, she knows what to do and I know what to do because I had read the story so long ago and it's written in my, so it's one of those that's really an easy way. It's an easy way to learn uh, key facts and different things. I learned how to do latitude and longitude from reading Carry On Mr. Bowditch. It's one of those where it's painless, it's easy. Uh, it's something that we can do so, so, so readily. Uh, you can broaden your children's vocabulary painlessly. I was talking with the dad who said, you know, my son isn't doing so well in math right now. He said, but boy, you know, if I just spend a couple days. I know I can bring him up to speed. He said, but what you can't teach quickly is vocabulary. Think about it. You could memorize lists and lists and lists of words. It's just one of those things without context. It just goes through the brain and you just don't remember it ever. But if you've read it in a story and it's in the context of a book, you actually do remember how that word met what that word meant. My son, uh, we were reading uh, one of the Dickens books. And in there, they talked about the word pecuniary. And my son said, wow, what does that mean? So we defined it and figured it out. He used that for a couple of weeks after that. It was one of those where I thought, here's a little 13-year-old. And he's figured." I thought, not too many people know what that means. <laughs> and it's something he learned easily, easily through a story. It's just something that becomes part of just your, your wharf and your woof as you walk through life. It's a great, great way to do it. Uh, You can encourage listening skills. Uh, With Sunlight, we have kids read what we call read-alouds. Moms read to the kids. And the purpose of that is to build those critical listening skills. I think every employer, every husband or wife is going to be super grateful if you've taught your children that. But it's one of those as they listen to a story without pictures, without any other stimulation, they get a chance to uh, make mental pictures of what those stories look like. It's building their imagination. It's one of those tools that's just super great a uh, way to be able to uh, build those great listening stories. And you won't believe, I mean, you may be think or, your kids aren't listening because they're playing with the Legos. mine always did. But if you ask a question, they are totally tracking with you because the story pulls them along. It's a great, great way to do that. Now uh, you can ha- enhance your writing skills. <laughs> uh, Benjamin Franklin, when he was a man, he decided that he wanted to teach himself to write. Thought, well, now what's the best way to do that? But to listen to how other people write. So he would read a a passage, and then he would close the book and then try to write it himself. And he got to the point point where he said, I actually liked my own version better than the actual initial story. But I think for all of us, as we listen to great stories, we get the sense of how the pacing of a good sentence goes, how a chapter flows, how the words in a page should sound. And just that whole um, mechanism just helps kids learn how to write really, really subconsciously. It's great. I think, too, they can gain cultural literacy. Uh, E.D. Hirsch uh, wrote a book called <laughs> Cultural Literacy. And in that, he talks about, there's so much more kids need to know than just the word, how to decode the words on a page. He gives an example in his book of uh, some junior college students uh, that he, they had a test that they had to take. They had to read a paragraph, and then they had to answer some questions. Uh, One of the paragraphs was basically, I think, love. What love is kind of a generic? So they could all decode that and then answer the questions. But then he had a paragraph where General Lee and General Grant are meeting at Appomattox Station. And the kids who didn't know the cultural literacy behind that, that was part of the Civil War, they had no idea how to answer the questions from that. So cultural literacy, that whole background, that framework, because authors don't always Uh, tell you everything you need to know. You know, if you think about uh, how many times we have uh, terms from, you know, the stories we've read, you know, think Achilles' heel, think of Cinderella's story, or um, uh, other examples like that, or Big Brother, or, um, (laughs) anyway, those types of things are all from books, and we learn them, and we need them to even understand what sometimes the things that we're reading and understanding. I think, too, uh, we can train uh, our critical thinking skills. Uh, I think if you read like a textbook, you know, you get one group of authors' perspective on things. But if you read widely, you can read a story that takes place, somebody who's thinking about the the Civil War from the youth perspective, and then read another book that takes place from the South's perspective, and you get to marry those two perspectives and understand that, there's different ways of looking at the things that come up, and that's basically building critical thinking. That you can look at what somebody's written and said. I, I think I understand this perspective. Now I can see this other perspective. Very, very important. Very critical. One of those uh, super strategic and super important things for us to learn. Yeah, and I think too uh, we can give our kids books that they just want to read again and again. Uh, think of the last time you reread a story that you loved just because. You just loved it to death. It's one of those where we can give our kids that just by giving them books to read that they'll love. So it's one of those where I think, too, uh, you can create a love of learning. You know, it's one of those where if every day you get up and you think, I get to read another book. Think how great your education can be. This can be so much fun and so enjoyable. I think if somebody asked me, you know, what, what's the benefit of a literature-based education, I can say it is a delight. It's not painful, it's not hard, and it raises up kids who love to learn. Boy, perfect, perfect thing to do.
0: That's awesome. Thank you. So you read over 300 books a year to make sure that Sunlight has the best of the best. You have a criteria that you've sort of developed. Um, can we talk through the criteria for great books? Mm-hmm.
1: I'd be glad to. It's uh, one of those where I'm always looking, okay, when I, when I put together a curriculum, I try to limit the use of the same authors again and again, because I feel like I want, I I think if you find an author that you like, you can read a lot more of their types of things. Sometimes you have to have a particular author because they're just perfect for a particular genre. So we do occasionally use someone. Clyde Bullock comes to mind. He just does great, uh, really um, easy to read middle level story. So it's that that type of thing can happen. But uh, what I'm looking for are, uh, number one, real, realistic characters. Don't want any characters that are flat or not, they're not going anywhere. They're not purposeful they don't look you know I don't it used to be that there used to be really black and white characters where the bad guy wore black and he was usually had a mustache and he was just he had a bad laugh <laughs> that's not the type of thing I'm looking for I'm looking for characters that really are realistic and that we could say I know somebody like that so that's number one our heroes shouldn't be flawless and our anti-heroes don't need to be evil so it's one of those where Uh, Everybody should be nuanced, and they should be interesting and uh, able to do. I'm looking, number two, for solid character development. My protagonist must get better over the course of the book. I don't want somebody who at the end of the book is worse than before, because I just don't feel like that's that's not what I want children to be reading. I want them to see that we can all grow and get better and improve. I think, uh, number three, would be content that increases our children's cultural literacy. So for example, if we're studying something in the Middle East, I'm going to pick a book that takes place in that part of the world so they understand that part of the world a little more effectively. So number three is cultural literacy, adds to our cultural literacy. Number four is an intriguing multidimensional plot. Uh, It has to be a story where you say, oh, I wonder what happens next, or you can't predict too readily what's going to happen. It has to be something that's an interesting way to move forward. Number five would be, and it's emotionally compelling, it has to move me. The writing has to be good, and it has to be something that I get it done. And I think, oh, I really liked that story. That was a really good one. Uh, number six would be it has to be verbally beautiful. It has to be uh, the writing has to be good. It has to be something that you actually want. Uh, that just flows as you read it. It should be uh, for fluent reading. Reading as you move through it. And number seven would be re-readable. It has to be something that I think. <laughs> for example, I had one story, one book in the curriculum that um, I read it for the first time with my, one of my set of kids. And I came back to it the second time. I went, I actually don't want to read this. That one came out of the curriculum because it wasn't rereadable. readable <laughs> So that's one of those words. Uh, that's the goal. It has to be one that we say, I, I, I really look forward to reading this again. So that's the seven.
0: With all of that in mind, what is not good literature? <laughs>
1: well... <laughs> Could probably put boring books on that list. <laughs> yeah. or Or pessimistic books. Books because right they're not going anywhere. They're just circular. Try not to do any of those. Uh, books that encourage self-absorption. We don't want kids that are stuck on themselves. We want them to be figuring out how to move and act within society. Uh, we don't want Pollyanna types books, books where everything's okay because life isn't always okay. We want our kids to be recognized that you know even though life is challenging they can overcome. They can do things, they can fix things, they can make things happen. So that's the goal. Uh, Books that ignore real-life consequences, uh, we don't want that. Or twaddle, which just means kind of (laughs) lame, or moralistic tales. Uh, To be fair, we do Aesop's Fables, which is, that's because it's part of cultural literacy. So occasionally a moralistic tale is okay, but for the most part, no thanks.
0: (laughs) How do you, suggest parents encourage reading a good book Mm -hmm. I think
1: it's uh, basically you want to make them comfortable reading so you want them to read something every day Uh, you want to try to do a variety of genres you want them to try you know let's do some historical fiction let's do some biographies let's do you know some time travel I mean it's just a there's a variety out there so mix it up and try different things I think uh, you want to choose great books uh, uh, important, it's important to have a good home library. Uh, home library just waiting for books to be had. <laughs> there's, um, there's a great quote. Let's see if I can find it. Um, An extensive study shows that a child from a family rich in books is 19 percentage points more likely to complete university than a comparable child growing up without a home library. In fact, the size of a home library greatly affects the educational attainment, even adjusting for a parent's education. So the point of that is, I mean, just having books in your house makes you smarter (laughs) or makes you more likely to go to college, which is a great thing. So that's a good thing to do. Have a home library, make sure it's full of great books. So um, it's one of those where we let our kids have a chance to do. So uh, we want to help our kids learn to love to read. So uh, one of the tips that I found is that uh, you could read to your dog. Or another pet. Uh, what they find is uh, kids who maybe are less um, brave about reading, because it's a life skill that we have to learn. Uh, if we have them read to their dog, a dog of course never judges, never says, oh my goodness you're going too slowly, or whatever it might be. Uh, kids love that. It's, it's a very relaxing for them and it's something that you could actually end up. So if you don't have a dog yourself, find your neighbor's dog or a dog down the street. The dog will be glad and your children will be helped. <laughs> Uh, I think, too, another thing we want to make sure we do is have our kids read below their reading level. Uh, that's really important. I think as parents, we oftentimes think that oh, we want our children to look just amazing. And we want them to be so smart. But what studies have found is that if you're stretching kids and making, it, making them read books that are too hard, uh, that's not even very good for them. And we think about it for ourselves, too. You know, We don't actually want to read Uh, war and peace all the time. We'd really rather read a magazine once in a while or (laughs) something else, so it's similarly for our kids. We want them to be reading something that's easy enough for them, that they can feel success and keep moving forward. It's all very, very good. So we wanna make sure we're reading, letting them read books that aren't too hard. Another thing is uh, don't skip the picture books. Picture books, (laughs) it's very interesting, but picture books have very uh, developed vocabulary because they know somebody's gonna read them out loud, right? But the pictures actually help kids figure out what the vocabulary is. So it's a huge way to help kids learn how to do this more effectively. <laughs> it's one of those where uh, you're reading to your four-year-old and the 10-year-old wanders in and they all join in and there's no penalty. It's all, all good. It's a chance to bond and it's all those good things that happen to our kids. So uh, another thing, uh, use audiobooks if you're traveling or if you're moving around. Um, <laughs> When we were, when my children were young, we would, whenever we would fly anywhere, I'd get uh, little cassette players back in the day. <laughs> and uh, we'd get tapes from the library, and the kids would, the only thing I would hear them say is, Oh, when you're done with that one, can I have that one next? So it was one of those where we could actually uh, get through the trips very readily, and they would just be totally silent, because of course the story is so, so compelling. So get some from your library and just plug them in and let them listen. Uh, they figured that kids need to listen to thousand hours of stories and it's something that we actually need to make sure that they do so this is an easy way to do it just plug them in and make sure they're actually listening to stories finally mom here's one for you but model reading make sure that you're reading aloud reading to yourself so that your kids catch you reading a story so that you can say yeah reading is worthwhile and I do it as well let me show you how to do that so uh, don't don't uh, don't step away mom just say your husband comes home says why isn't dinner said I'm modeling reading. Tell them Sarita told you you could do that. (laughs) So it's one of those where uh, do it and it's all good. So read. It's super important to read. So moms, this is one one of those things you don't want to not do. So find books, get things to read, plug your kids in, and just grow in this great and necessary thing to do. And thanks so much.
0: Thank you, Sarita.